This is Paul Nobles from Eden Form, and unfortunately for this week, my lovely cohort Meredith, um, cohort, that's kind of a hard word to say at times, um, but cohort Meredith is recovering from her second bout of rhabdo. So, you know, she's been, she's she's got that, that issue that we talked about at summer camp related to work ethic, right? She's got a little bit too much of the work ethic. So I have I have um, my trusty assistant, Susie Glassman. Susie, most of you guys know, or most of y'all know. Um, I can't, I can't stop doing it. Um, but most of y'all know from the, the forums, you know, she's, she's one of our lead coaches. She's an ETPOG. I mean, you know, probably doesn't need an introduction, but Susie and and she she does our building blocks. So um, yeah, for the people that haven't heard all those things or seen you, can you give them just a small introduction? Yeah, sure. So like Paul said, I'm Susie Glassman. I am married to Greg Glassman, but not the Greg Glassman of CrossFit. Um, in fact, I don't even do CrossFit, so I used to. Um, which is funny, but uh, for you guys, um, I'm, you know, one of the coaches. I've been here a long time. Um, I do some form of fasting, uh, so we'll get into that. Um, and then, you know, basically just just here to help you guys. I got two kids. They're nine and seven. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, so she kind of gave away, she, she gave away the secret of this uh, episode, but we're doing this episode on fasting. Both of us fast, and we've probably been the most gangster of anyone related to fast. And there's a lot of information that's coming out recently related to fasting. And, and you know, I really wanted to get into that piece of things because for the most part, you know, fasting is being oversold, just like keto was oversold before that, and just like paleo was oversold before that. And, you know, everyone kind of wants this thing to be the secret. And if you look at it as a tool, it can be part of the secret, right? I, I found it, you know, I talked about it earlier in the week, the leanest I ever got was you know fasting um because when you're managing a you know fat loss cycle actually i have some interesting i i'm interested in your opinion on on something that i that was my experience so so let's start there okay we'll start kind of in the middle when i started intermittent fasting the basic idea was that you had to be cognizant of calories, right? And so if you weren't cognizant of calories, you were going to naturally undereat. And like, if you think about why someone starts fasting, typically it's going to be, you know, to lose fat. And when the scale stalls, they're going to naturally, if they're not tracking, undereat. Right. Um, would you say that that's close to the truth? Yeah. And I would say that there's different definitions of fasting. So when you say I did 
fasting, um, I think you kind of have to define the window that you were doing um, because fasting can be anywhere from, um, you know, a, a 14, 10 window to 18, six to, you know, all there's all different kinds of definitions of fasting. I tend to do the more extreme fasting. So 24 hours. Um, but I will say that it does, it ultimately comes down to, to calorie management, right? You keep jumping ahead. Um, oh, so, so let's, uh, we'll, we'll walk through all the specifics. Okay. Okay. Um, but, but one of the interesting things that I found, because I use fasting different than other people did, I use fasting with calories. So, you know, a lot of people talk, you know, we've had a lot of discussions about how eat to perform happened and how I was eating 5,000 calories. I was fasting at that time. I basically ate that in two meals and you go, well, you know, how do you eat that in two meals? And the the one word is ribeyes, <laughs> right? Like like every day I started the day with a ribeye, right? And it was like ribeye, um, sweet potatoes. And then my dessert was like a whole thing of fage, um, like whole fage um, with uh, cacao chips and, and strawberries. And if that sounds like a lot of fat to you, you're hearing it exactly correctly, right? It was a lot of fat. And that was, you know, I think one of the things that's sort of interesting as it relates to eat to perform as kind of a big picture item is most places kind of either go low fat or low carb. And the reason why they do that is because you're kind of picking your poison, right? There's really no super advantage to one or the other. I would say that there's maybe a slight advantage to, to lower fat uh, or higher fat because you get hungry less, right? Um, but, you know, in terms of like scientific analysis and things like that, there's not, you know, it, it always comes down to, you know, the deficit, right? And then the thing that we sort of introduce people to is that you can't get a deficit if you don't have any money in the calorie bank, right? But so this was an interesting, observation i'm interested to hear your thoughts on this okay. i always felt like i could handle more calories after fasting like for instance to give you a specific example um if i would normally eat 2400 calories in four meals I legitimately felt like I could eat 3000 calories if I ate them in a smaller meal. And I, and I, I'm totally going to tell you that I don't have the scientific research, the studies to point to in that regard, but that was my experience. And that is the experience of a lot of people that fast, but most people don't do it that way. Right. Most people do it from the standpoint of reduction. Have you had any experience with that? And 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 I'd be I want to take it even further because I know that you've done longer fasts, and we'll explain in a little bit how you do those. Mm -hmm. um, but did you feel like you could eat more calories? Yeah. So for sure. So I actually log it after I eat. <laughs> Hold on one second. Now, when you shake your head, yes, yes. 
nobody you can realize on a podcast that nobody can tell that, right? <laughs> but you can. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, so I find, okay, so typically when I break my fast, it's Chipotle, right? And it's two servings of chicken, and it's all the beans and all the rice and all the cheese. And my bowl is like when I add it up and I have some chips and I have some guacamole, it's like it can be upwards of, of 1,100 calories in that one sitting. Um, and whereas like on a normal dinner, I'm closer to like five or six. So, yeah, my capacity to eat more coming off of fast is definitely greater. Well, see, but. Couldn't you just argue at that point, well, of course you're going to eat 1,100 calories, but that's still, you know, I'm what I'm saying is, is when I was eating 5,000 calories, the fact that I delayed the window longer actually helped. Like the majority of my calories, I, I, as I remember, um, I added it up once and like the lunch that I would eat would be like 2,500 calories. Now you have to understand that I was working out a lot at that point, right? I mean, I literally put on 15 pounds of muscle in you know a six month period of time. You can't do that in a deficit. I mean, people, you know, kind of pretend like you can, you know, oh, you know, I want to lose fat and gain muscle at the same time. And it's like, I did that, but I did it um, really in kind of a unique period right? I really had never lifted any weights previous to that or anything like that. So by and large, you can't build muscle in a deficit and therefore, and, and you typically can't lose fat without a deficit, right? And so like people kind of want this Nirvana thing. Now, can you manage it and possibly see some results? Sure. You know, I mean, we'll be doing the next building block is on recomp and we'll We'll talk about that, right? But, you know, recomp is, you know, not one of these things that I would say is a really pretty process, right? You're going to see some weight fluctuation. You're going to see some some things like that. But I think, you know, I guess I was kind of speaking, you know, you're kind of talking about 24-hour fast. So let's, why don't we at least go into 24-hour fast just so people understand what we're talking about, because it sounds like the most gangster thing on the planet, but in reality, it's kind of not, right? And typically, what you're talking about would be something that you might do once a week, right? So can you describe what a 24-hour fast looks like? Yeah, so basically for me, it's a dinner to dinner. So it might be 22 hours, it may be, you know, 23, but so it's, you know, after dinner, no food until dinner the next day. Um, honestly, you I've worked up to it, so it's not like, you know, week one, <laughs> 24 hours. And then two, it's really not that hard when your body gets used to it. So um, I definitely think that it sounds more gangster than it is. Uh, but the right. idea with a longer fast is you're keeping your insulin levels low for a longer period of time and when your insulin levels are low you're pushing your body to burn more fat um that's really the purpose of, of potentially a longer fast Does that answer right. your question? And, yeah. and, you know in that you know if i was listening to what you just said 
without perspective, I would go, well, I have to not eat to burn fat, right? right? And that's not, in fact, the case, right? You can do it through exercise. You can do it eating six meals a day. You can do it eating one meal a day. So I did, um, this was way back in the day, right? Um, and in that process, I lost a lot of muscle, but I was doing the warrior diet, right? Which um, was one meal a day. And there was, there was lots of little things. And it was sort of interesting because like the fasting community kind of hated the warrior diet guy, right? Um, because what he, what he kind of implied was that the fasting window wasn't as important as people think. Right. And it was really more about, you know, kind of calorie restriction. And the thought process is similar to what you said earlier with the, you know, 1100 calorie bowl. I mean, if you eat one meal at the end of the day, right? I mean, you know, you can only eat so much. That was the whole thought process. But I'll tell you this. And I mean, I, I have to think that you were the same. You can definitely get to like 2,000, 3,000 calories in a window of about two to three hours, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just called Chipotle, a pint of ice cream, and, and you're good right there, right? Yeah. Like, like Chipotle and Ben and Jerry's, you're at 3,000 calories, and that is 100% possible. And that's the problem with, I think, not having calories as, as part of the mix, right? Because I think the... I think you know, I was looking at this this app, um, and it was it was an app that you take a picture of your food and it kind of gives you the the calories and stuff like this. And I mean, first of all, it's not really that great yet, you know. And maybe it gets better eventually. But the thing that I thought was interesting about it, you know, was that they had all these meal plans, right? And the meal plans were like keto and intermittent fasting and veganism and, and all these things. And I thought to myself, because it's a food logger app, right? And why does someone do all of those diets? Typically, so they don't have to log their food, right? And then what ends up happening is you just kind of start eating less vegan type foods you start eating less meats and potatoes you know paleo was another one you know the reason people are always attracted to real food is not because it's real food it's because it's low calorie right and when you don't have a plan for reintroducing food you always sort of run into the, this problem and then you know when you think about kind of how the body works you sort of it's going to adjust to whatever it is you do. So, you know, if Susie, as an example, did 24 hour fast for like three years straight, you know, and had Chipotle with Ben and Jerry's every single night, um, the body's going to adjust to that one way or the other, right? Um, the upside would not be near as bad as you would think, and the downside would not be as positive as you would think, right? Um, is that, is, is that, did that make sense to you? Because you, you're looking at me quizzically. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, I think what you're trying to say is it's still calorie management is a whole piece of this. So if you're just going to yeah. fast every day or, um, you know, eat in a certain window, 
calories are still important. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, because like there was definitely a point in my journey where I did not count, right? Um, and when I look back at that time, I wish I had counted, <laughs> right? Because it would have been more effective, you know? Um, and you get more prone to, oh, you know, it's Tuesday and I'm not feeling great, you know, or it's Wednesday and I'm feeling great, or it's my birthday, you know, macro free day, you know what I mean? Like all these things start to come up. And if there's no level of, of accountability there, you start to run into problems. So, you know, when I was doing, and, and once again, you know, this was at a time where I was not near as evolved as I am now as it relates to nutrition information. So this was not a, a you know, a declaration on, on the warrior diet, but there's a reason why the warrior diet's not really popular, right? Why it never really kind of got out there. You know, you have to be pretty gangster to go, I'm only going to eat one meal a day, you know? Um, and then, you know, what ended up happening is, is you do start to introduce protein shakes and yogurt and, and things of this nature. And, you know, if you're not aware of macros, which I wasn't at that point, you know, I wasn't, that wasn't a big part of what I was doing. Um, I was body fat testing and I did lose something like eight pounds of muscle doing that, you know? Um, now, you know, that wasn't, the only factor and I and I just want to say, you know, this is not a negative as it relates to fasting. This is not a, you know, shots fired at, at the warrior diet. I could I could definitely see a scenario where that would be valuable as part of an overall solution. So when you when you like do 24 fat hour fast, which is similar to, um, can you give some reasons why you would do it um, and how how long you would do it? Is so I, I've done it once a week and then I always caution people because if you're going to do that, some people think, well, once a week is good, then, you know, five times a week, but you're exactly right. You're going to end up blowing through muscle. Um, because think about it, I'm not getting my 135 grams of protein on that day. So all of a sudden I'm getting 50 grams of protein. And if I did that every day um, in combination with with working out or, or cardio or whatever, I'm going to blow through muscle. Um, so for me, it's more of a weight maintenance strategy when I'm not trying to lose weight and then a weight loss strategy when I am. Does that make sense? Like it can kind of play both ways. So, right. I mean, maybe that but, one. I, I thought that's what you were going to say. Yeah. And I want to emphasize that for people, right, is that, you know, it's really not the good majority of the time that you do it. You do not do it as a weight loss strategy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, and, and that's similar to me. So, so as an example, you know, my calories right now, right at 3000, I am able to fast at 3000. Um, I, I want to make this abundantly clear at multiple points within the conversation. The window is nowhere near as important as you think it is. 
right? The value of 24 hours of fasting versus 22 hours worth of fasting, there is no magic there, right? So waiting to eat till eight o'clock as opposed to six o'clock, right, is not going to make that big of a difference. Um, six o'clock might even be preferential when you want to get in a certain amount of food. Like, like one of the best arguments against 24-hour fasting um, was that digestively it could be very difficult on you. Now, when you're doing it, like Susie's saying, once a week, not really, right? But I think Susie made a great point that all of you guys really need to listen to is just because something works one day, don't just naturally assume that because you do it five days, it's better. You know, um, in fact, with intermittent fasting, with fasting in general, it's almost always worse. There was a group that that April was in and, and there was a group that April and I were in um, and both of them were, were fasting. But one was all women. And this group is like a ghost town. And I was surprised that it was a ghost town because, you know, this was, you know, it was popular eight years ago, 10 years ago, right? Um, when Facebook groups first started and, um, you know, fasting was a relatively big deal there. It was mostly like the skipping breakfast version of fasting though, right? And I tell you, the whole group was just like, you know, uh, it, it was just, I'm losing my hair, I'm losing my nails, um, and, and I've always said this, that guys think that they're gangster, but women are really gangster because women are willing to not eat. Yeah. <laughs> and I, these women all used it to not eat. And then they would come to the group that April and I were in, and then they were like, hey, I've lost all my hair, I've lost my nails. Um, do you think intermittent fasting has some, some problems? And right about that time was the research that said that intermittent fasting was a lot worse for women than it was for men. I made the argument at that time, and I still believe this to be true, that it wasn't necessarily the intermittent fasting that was the problem. It was the fact that as a tool, the tool allowed you to get more abusive with your body. Yeah, right? that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so anything, you know, you know, anytime you move, you push one lever, you have to think about the other lever that might be affected. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and fasting is definitely one of those things. I would say that for me, up to about, uh, well, you know, I was fasting, eating 5,000 calories. I was also burning a lot of calories. I found that my comfort level um, is probably about where I'm at right now, right? With with where I'm at right now, it's like 33,000 to 3,500. I can still get away with it, but I kind of have to add another meal when calories go a little bit higher than that. Otherwise, you know, 
it just gets harder for my body to process. It's just, you know, if you're eating 4,500 calories, as an example, I'm just going to the extreme. It's just hard to, you, you'd feel like you were working, yeah. you know, with eating food. So yeah. spacing it out ends up. But that's also proof that, you know, the, um, I'm getting some, some information, so I'm going to shut my webcam down. Um, but you can leave yours open. But um, but it's also it's also proof that there there really is no magic there, right? That is the ultimate experience that I think both and you and I share. That the magic is much more in the occasional calorie deficit, right? Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, for sure. And this is why I don't like tell all my clients like you need to do this <laughs> because, um, well, a going back to what you were saying about women and suffering, um, people feel like the more they suffer, um, the better they're doing. Like it becomes a, it does become a form of self abuse. I have a friend who went on a five day chicken broth only cleanse and was like, really, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, and then. Um, but on the other end, like, like, like what Paul's saying, like, it's not magical. I do think there are a few things that, um, fasting can teach you. Um, and that one is to deal with hunger. Um, and I think that that becomes important when you do eventually do a fat loss phase or you are trying to, you know, lose some weight, um, learning how to manage hunger, um, is a great skill to have. It's also a good skill to have if you are at your son's soccer game and you know there all there is is like you know nachos and popcorn you know or something unhealthy that you learn to say I'm hungry but I can hold off until I get home and that's something that fasting can teach you um, that hunger is not the end of the world um, but I do see it um, like Paul is saying as it's it's a um, it's a calorie tool that again can be abused like any other calorie tool um, and it and it certainly isn't magical um, so in a way, you know, if you are doing a fasting window, you know, work with your coach on that. You still need to look at calories. Um, but there are some. Yeah, I, I, would, I would argue that 24 hour window um, is probably yeah. a little unnecessary. Truthfully. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why I don't like it's not something that I tell everyone to do. I don't think yeah. it's overly necessary. Um, it's actually just become something that I like to do um yeah. but it's not about the abuse of it it's not about um I've, I've maintained the same weight now for a year so i'm at yeah. the same same weight range um so again yeah. it's not about weight loss but i do like the flexibility that it gives me to be um a little bit more um spontaneous on other days and maybe you know eat more um but then my calorie average over the course of the week is still the same so um, so well, let's talk about that a little bit because the more the most popular and then and then we'll sort of end on kind of the the crazy train part right um, but the most popular form of fasting is just skipping breakfast right and and someone was asking could you skip dinner you could skip dinner but but if you think about what Susie's saying and you're using this to manage hunger. <coughs> I mean, the, the, excuse me, 
what what whenever somebody asks me about intermittent fasting, I always say, what are your calories, right? Or what are your macros? And if you don't have macros, you're going to be more prone to binge eat, um, or you're going to be more prone to under eat, right? And so having a coach manage that for you, you know, there just seems to be too many people that read something on Reddit, you know, and, you know, think that that's true, you know, and really intermittent fasting when it works the best works in conjunction with calories, right? Everyone that I've ever seen get lean fasting has macros, right? Because like I said, they either, <coughs> they want to make sure that they're not under eating or they want to make sure that they're not overeating. Um, thoughts on the window. If your hands are freezing cold every single day, you might be doing it too hard, right? Like there's just not a lot of value in going to that extreme. You know, I think another thing that happens for people is that they don't play with the windows enough. And so they start off with 18 hour window. Right. So once again, it's like the more I could suffer, the better this is. And it's like. If you think that intermittent fasting or fasting in general. Is the thing, it's not the thing, it's a management tool. Right. And if you view it as the thing, you're going to be really disappointed and you're going to be very prone to binge eating, you know, I would say that most people, you know, your leptin levels just, I mean, go to ridiculous levels when you don't eat. So that affects your hunger big time and your brain starts to get a signal. It was kind of funny because you, know, my wife started off with like a 14, 10 window and then eventually moved to, you know, kind of, kind of what I do, which is more like a 16, eight. Sometimes I'll do like 18, six. You know, um, it just depends on how I'm trying to manage my day. Um, but I feel like when you start eating, it's like opening a dam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. your body, you know, you, you've been able to get through the hunger, you've suppressed it and things like this nature. And then, you know, all of a sudden you open up the dam and, and then the water comes through and it's like you're just you're unsatiable at that point. Yeah. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I had to smile when you said that because I remember like the first time when I was trying intermittent fasting, um, it got to be like four o'clock and I was like, oh, I'm just going to have a snack. I'll have dinner at six. And I hadn't eaten all day. So that snack at four o'clock was probably 800 calories. <laughs> like you're like, oh, I'll just have an apple, you know, and you don't stop. Like it's it, it really is like opening a dam. Like you I always say, you know, when you're going to break your fast, like have a meal, like plan. You're, you're not going to have a snack, <laughs> right? Like yeah. don't kill yourself. It's not going to be a snack. Oh. I mean, that's why I said earlier, you know, I always broke my fast with a ribeye and, and sweet potatoes and, and, and about 1,500 calories 
because if I was trying to get to 5,000 calories, there was just no way I was going to do that without just a boatload of calories at that first thing. But the nice thing about, you know, you're more hungry at that time, so you can actually eat more food at that time. And, and I know that like a lot of people listening to this, all they can think about is dieting and they've never been successful at dieting and that, that this might be the thing. And it's like, there's value in being hungry. There's value in having an active metabolism. And when you view that as an ally, it can potentially be a thing that ends up being positive. And I think that that's really the discussion that, that we want to have. Um, I really, you know, there was definitely a point in, I, I remember all these people, this was, you know, the eight to 10 years ago when fasting had its boom at that point, And then now it's now having another boom, but the, the new boom is not necessarily intermittent fasting, though a lot of people are interested in intermittent fasting. But after a couple of years, I was like, are we really still just talking about skipping breakfast? You know, because like when you think about it, everyone says breakfast is the most important meal of the day. There was a there was an article that I wrote um, that was breakfast was not the most, you know, it was one of the most popular articles that we ever wrote, and it was about intermittent fasting. And wasn't that whole theory started by like Kellogg's or something? Like when you go back, like it was literally that whole advertising campaign, the whole I never, theory. I never know yeah. what is fact or not fact, right? Because, you know, if you're a, if you're a, a intermittent fasting person, you believe that, right? If you're a, Oprah person, you like, don't eat a grape after six o'clock, it will store as fat. And it's like, none of that shit is true, right? It's, it's just, it's just, you know, I'm not a big, if it works for you guy, right? Because, you know, there's a lot of people when they think about sustainable practices, they'll often go to the extreme without really knowing it. There's there's so many of you listening to this podcast right now, if you're not a need to performer, that are under eating and you don't even know it, yeah. right? There, there, there's a, um, a guy at my gym, you know, uh, 240 pounds, right? Barely eats. You know, my grandmother, I have talked about my grandmother. My grandmother died her whole life, you know? She was obese her whole life, you know? I mean, at what point do you go, this is definitely not working, <laughs> right? right? And I think I think what happens is, is, is just there ends up sort of being that fear. So I think if you're looking at a window, the most important thing is what Susie said, right? Is if you don't have that meal planned, you will donut the hell out of that thing, yeah. right? <laughs> Like, like that is where they are, right? Right? It's like yeah. you're just gonna eat whatever. So if you don't have it planned, you know, um, the other thing that that people like about intermittent fasting is that let's say that you're normally eating a breakfast of three to five hundred calories, and and you skip that breakfast, well now you can have that three to five hundred calories for dessert. 
right. right? And so maybe you like cake more than you do, you know, eggs and eggs and bacon. You know, I don't, I don't know if anybody doesn't like bacon, but you know, I mean, who hurt those people? You know, that's what I want to know. Um, but but yeah, so I, I just think that like even even when I had a lot of success with it. I thought that people's view on it was too extreme. Like, like it's just skipping breakfast. It's just not that big of a deal, right? Um, and the little uh, cricket in the background is because Susie won't shut her slack for some reason. <laughs> um, like, I wonder what we could charge, like, like just to be on each form slack. Yeah, you know, okay. like people would think people would think that it's like way cooler than it actually is. Um, Not cool. So just so you guys know, Slack is um, is a messaging platform for businesses that we use, um, and we it's nowhere near as cool as it may sound. Um, but um, there there's one uh, podcast I listen to, and and and. Uh, the company is called The Ringer, and it's like a sports podcast. And they always talk about The Ringer Slack, and and we as fans of The Ringer are always like, "What would you pay to be on The Ringer Slack?" You know, just so you could talk about sports with all these people. Um, so I think when, and I'll, I'll let Susie speak for this to this as well, but. If I were to wake up at 6 a.m. hungry, I would not go, oh, I'm fasting. Therefore, I must suck it up till noon. I'll just have a bagel and peanut butter and move on, right? Yeah. Like yeah. for that day, you know, you got a strong signal that something's off, right? Yeah. Fix that signal first. Don't gut out the supposed magic of fasting because it's not like I said, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we're really talking about managing calories one way or the other. Right. And um, hopefully that's coming across. What are your thoughts on that? No, a hundred percent. I mean, there are times where, you know, I have the intent of fasting and then wake up hungry, sort of in a bad mood, have a headache. Um, I need to go to the gym, you know, like, screw it. It's 11 o'clock. I'm going to eat, you know, I'll try again, you know, next week, whatever. Um, for sure. Like there is no need to make it a punishment and there is no need to think that, um, that you can't, you know, eat, um, because you said you weren't going to eat for a certain time. So I always say if it feels difficult, um, or it feels like too much, then just eat like really. So, so, I'm glad you said punishment because that's a, a great transition to what we're going to talk about next. Right now, the good majority of people listening to this podcast, they're being exposed to five and seven day fast, similar to what Susie was talking about before. In my mind, you're being abused. You're being given a message 
that is not necessarily true. And the reason why you're susceptible to that message is because you kind of believe you need to be disciplined. You kind of believe that you need to be punished, right? And at the end of the day, you know, no amount of champagne or cake or whatever should be dealt with with that type of extreme. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think as a woman, like you're saying, I don't think men are susceptible to these messages in that way. Now, now don't get me wrong. It's not just a men thing, but it, as a percentage, I see women are more susceptible to that than men. Is it, Do you think I'm wrong there? No, not at all. And I think a lot of times it comes um, it comes into play when there's like some big event. Um, so I'm going on a cruise in two weeks or um, it's my 40th birthday. Like I, you know, I, I got to look smoking hot by by this day. And so you, then you think, well, I'm going to do what what's the most drastic thing I can do. Um, and f my friend, for example, she was turning 40, she was going to Vegas. You know, she wanted to be, look hot in her swimsuit. So she was going to do this, you know, five day, could have been seven day. I don't know. But, you know, chicken broth once a day sort of diet. And at the end of the day, I was like, so you get to Vegas and you're down five pounds or you're down 10 pounds. Tell me that you wouldn't have had the exact same wonderful time if you hadn't have spent five days punishing yourself before you went. Like, I, I think that's why we go ahead. I, I think you're I think you're glossing over a really important part as it relates to the restriction. Who goes to Vegas and starves themselves? Or who goes on vacation and starves themselves? If you're eating a normal amount of food, I mean one of the things that I think a lot of eat performers know, but if you're new to eat perform or kind of new to this message, we really don't have you diet going into vacation, right? right? Because you're more susceptible to store fat at lower calories than you are at higher calories, right? And so when we undulate your calories, we undulate it towards vacation so that you can deal with some level of abundance. I guarantee you if you're gal, and she's not losing 10 pounds. I mean, I know you said that, but. Well, you know, five. So she's gonna lose five pounds, right? And she's going to gain it back by day two, right? And she's gonna have a distended belly, you know, because, you know, her body's going to try and deal with all of those calories as soon as possible. And there really isn't, the mechanism in place to do so, right? And so now all of a sudden, what are you going to do in Vegas? There's too many good restaurants. There's too much alcohol. There's all these different things. Do you think your body processes that better from a standpoint of abundance or the standpoint of restriction, right? right. Now, don't get me wrong, because I said it in the beginning, and I do believe, you know, by correlation, it is true. For one meal, it probably does handle it a little bit better. But multiple meals, you're opening up that floodgate. You're gonna, by the second day of Vegas, you are in bucket mode and you are just, it's, I mean, you just can't stop. 
Right. Right. I mean, there will not be a buffet <laughs> that you will not destroy. Right. <laughs> so there's like all these 110 pound women, you know, that show up in Vegas and all of a sudden they got a lobster in one hand and like five desserts in the other. And they're like, just don't look at me, man. <laughs> just don't watch. You know, it's just like, why did you vacate? Why? Why did you do that to yourself? And the best part about it is, is that one, you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be the lobster and five desserts person. You're going to enjoy your lobster and have a dessert, right? But it, you're not going to open up the, these floodgates. And then guess what happens to your gal? She goes back on a chicken broth thing. <laughs> Right? And it's never, it's never based on anything real. It's never based on anything sustainable. Whenever we get somebody, we see this a lot in the summer, right? Where, you know, we'll have someone work up their calories and then they start fat loss once they come on vacation. If there's any one thing that I would say to all of you, do it that way. Because every person we see that does it that way. I mean, another great example is... Um, the holidays, right? I mean, let's be real. Most of you listening to this right now, you're going to overeat on the holidays, right? I mean, what my goal for the holidays is really to stay even. And when I say stay even, I kind of give myself a one to two pound range, right? Because when I look at, so this weekend, as an example, we have kind of this double date weekend with my wife and, and it's actually two gals, they're not, they're not a couple, but, but, you know, um, we still kind of call it a double date thing, but basically we go to dinner and breakfast with them. And it's like apeshit mode. <laughs> I mean, like, like we, we share meals. It's usually at one of the up and coming, the, the one gal, um, she, uh, Tracy, she, you know, is a restaurant manager for a very popular restaurant here in town. And so she knows all the hottest places. So we show up and the person gives us all four menus and the three of us give the menu back to the waitress and say, Tracy will be ordering for us. And then we just share those meals. And as someone that is a persnickety kind of eater, like she's had me eating the weirdest shit, you know, I mean, and, and loving it. Right. I, I've learned to be more receptive, but, but we have that weekend. And then the very next weekend, we have kind of a family tradition that we do at the St. Paul grill, which once again is like 3000 calorie meal. You know, I mean, if you can stay close to even in that instance, you are winning. Right. There's so many people. I mean, they there was, you know, the highest I saw was nine pounds. Right. But after Thanksgiving, someone gained nine pounds. I saw that, right? too. Yeah. No, I and, saw that. Too. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like and within three days, they were back to normal. But like, I mean, you, you know, like there's, there's living your best life. And then there's like like overdoing it a little bit. And and just so you know, you go, how does that happen? The most fluctuation I've ever had is like three pounds and it was gone, you know, a day or two later. Alcohol. <laughs> right? It's 
food, alcohol, and inhibitions, right? Because you're drinking, now all of a sudden, all the things that you used to be able to avoid consciously, you know, subconsciously, you've been wanting to eat all that shit. <laughs> and a whole bottle of wine just made it open. You know, it's suddenly reasonable to eat a whole block of Parmesan cheese, you know. Right. Um, right. And so so those things are really important. But but I want to kind of get back to because we got sidetracked with the vacation thing. But 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 that is really you know, after the holidays, we see people that have the most success. And why do they have the most success? Because they're coming into us not dieting, right? That's that's the big thing. Mm. You know, um, you know, around April and May, you know, you start to see more dieters show up. And it's those folks that, you know, really sort of struggle um, from that perspective. Um, so, okay, so... Uh, the other thing is that similar to what I was saying with um, the warrior diet, where I lost eight pounds of muscle, um, it one, it's very difficult to manage your workouts in a way that preserves muscle. I do think that I could do it now, be a little bit smarter and preserve a little bit more muscle, but but at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to it gets really hard unless you're doing the Ben and Jerry's and Chipotle option. You know, and and the the big argument at that time was that it becomes very difficult on your digestion. What you often see with these people that are doing these extreme fasting cycles, first of all. Social media has really hurt people in this regard, right? Because there seems to be more value in suffering, right? There's these like pockets and corners of the internet, right? Your friends are not really talking about the fact that their chicken broth detoxing, right? Or they can't stop talking about it, right? It's like because they're fucking starving. You know, that's why they can't stop talking about it. They're like, please join me. I want to be miserable with somebody else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when I look at, you know, these diets that are like giving people electrolytes and saying fast as long as possible and your body will be able to survive off of body fat. Don't be surprised when some people die from this, right? We're talking about the most extreme type scenarios where, you know, and you go, well, okay, that seems kind of crazy that you're saying somebody's going to die. No, it's not, right? First of all, sleep alone is compromised when you don't eat for seven days, right? So now all of a sudden you're driving your car and they might not make a direct connection to the fact that you were dieting seven days when you ran into the back of that 18 wheeler because you fell asleep, you know, but that's the reason why you died. You died because you weren't willing to take a long term sustainable approach. Right. 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 And the other peel of that is that, well, I, I can binge. Right. And like you think to yourself, I mean, I, I literally had somebody say to me, well, 
fasting seven days straight is really more of a lifestyle. <laughs> like, like, like they were going to not eat for a whole fucking week for the rest of their life, right? And so for what, right? And and part of the appeal is that you get to go to McDonald's because you pulled all the water out of your body, right? And so you're down 10 to 12 pounds. And, and let's just be real about all that stuff, you know, whether it's fasting, whether it's keto, even, even like low-fat type stuff, you can pull a lot of water out of your body really fast, and that is mentally very motivating. Um, but when I look at some of the appeal – to people that want to eat more flexibly, and when I say flexibly, I mean McDonald's, right? The people that want to eat McDonald's, they would be better off organizing their life differently. Susie and I can eat McDonald's whenever we want. When was the last time you had McDonald's? I have no idea. Really no I idea. I can't recall, right? I mean, I do have a rule, right? My rule works like this. If it kind of sucks, I ain't eating it, right? It's got to be a home. Yeah. I mean, I'm not eating shitty pizza. I'm not eating a bad hamburger. I mean, with within five miles of my house is one of the best hamburger dive joints ever. That's the only place I'm eating a hamburger, you know, because it's the best hamburger there is, you know. And I think what ends up happening, and I remember this very well from when I was obese, is you want to organize your life in a way that you don't really have to work out all that much and you can eat kind of whatever you want. And the appeal of longer fast is that you can do that and manage your weight, but at what cost, right? Because if you don't know that there's a direct connection to depression, there is, right? Just Google it, scientific data. All day long, you'll go, holy cow, I didn't realize under eating could amplify depression. So if you're under eating and you struggle with depression, maybe look at that as the first fix, right? I wonder what it would be like if I ate a good amount of food for a week, right? Um, and then people will argue, well, you know, being obese, I'm not having a discussion about, oh, you should be obese, you know? I mean, this idea that you can, you know, and, and, and once again, I mean, like even, even the macro people, you know, I mean, every single thing that people do, they wanna put off as like magical. Right. And macro people will put off macros under eating as if they're somehow better than keto under eating. And the reality is, is that neither of them are favorable as a long term sustainable approach. Right. And yes, you can probably get to a place that gets you about 60 percent and then you're scared to death to ever eat again. And then you know, for the rest of your life, you're avoiding social situations and, you know, you're missing out on Thanksgiving because, oh my goodness, you know, you're only on three days of your, you know, 14 day fast, you know, I mean, 
guarantee, guaranteed, we will see a post about a 30-day fast within the next year. I guarantee it because the, the only way that the internet works is more suffering is better, right? Like everyone that you follow on Instagram, you don't follow that reasonable ass dude, right? That, that person that gives you that reasonable information. No, you follow the APAC up chick, right? Who's been working out since she was seven and eats like celery sticks all day, you know? Um, and it's like, when you think about social media influencers or, or things of this nature, and, and obviously, you know, from the standpoint, I mean, we try to stand out from the noise by simply being reasonable and we do a pretty damn good job of it. And if you think about the fact that we can sell people on a reasonable approach, that's kind of shitty, right? That means that everyone else out there is really kind of pointing out. And, and the problem is, is that the reasonable people, you know, don't have, you know, I mean, I don't know how many, groups come up in your feed, but every group that I see on Facebook that has more than a hundred thousand people typically is some little secret corner of the internet, right? That your sister-in-law would rather you didn't know that she was in that group, right? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I, I know you probably, you know, we are insulated a little bit, you know, um, but, and, and, you know, you mentioned your friend, but. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I talk to a lot of people. I'm part of the phone team. So when you join me to perform, you get a phone call. I'm one of those coaches. So when my first question to people is, well, how did you find out about us? And it's always funny to me that people say, well, I've been following you for two years. You know, I've been reading your articles. Everything you said made a lot of sense, but it took two years. Sorry, my I think the doorbell rang, so my dogs are barking. Um, but it's like it took you two years to go the reasonable <laughs> approach, you know, because you had to try this and you had to try that. You had to do this, you know, and all of a sudden you realize, well, maybe that Paul guy, you know, he's made some sense now. So, so yeah, I think that being like the voice of reason, um, you know, takes longer, um, but eventually, I think most people get there. Um, I mean, you no, are laughing. Okay. Well, I, I hate to interrupt you, but but you're making like a brilliant point. But there's one emphasis. The reason why they try the reasonable approach is because they tried every fucking thing else, right? They didn't come to us because they're like, oh, that reasonable guy, you know, he sounds like, no, they failed at literally everything else. They were susceptible. I mean, they literally spent thousands of dollars on every bullshit answer on every corner of the Internet. Right. And then eventually they go, you know what? Fuck it. I need to I need to have food as an ally. I mean, you know, this guy's been making sense for three years. You know, might as well give them a shot, too. Right. <laughs> it's like a good job. I mean, I do kind of wonder, like, wouldn't it be cool if we could just got people from the start? You know, you do see that. You know, we do see that more and more. Um, I would say that that's actually more and more the case recently. Yeah, I agree. But, but um, man, I'd say three years ago, every single every single client we got was like, you know, man, you know, 
I tried this hot cold diet. I tried the nail diet. <laughs> it's like, what the what the hell? Like, you know, um, and and just so you guys know, there is. Well, there, there isn't yet a hot cold diet, and there isn't <laughs> yet a nail diet. I mean, I wrote a I wrote a onion ask article um, about the nail diet. Um, which I think is hilarious, but apparently the rest of the world does not. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, but you can go to Eat Reform and search it um, for the nail diet if if you're willing to laugh at the extremes that you've gone through. And I mean, you know, we have to kind of confess, right? The reason why we know all this stuff is because we did it. Right. I mean, it wasn't, you know, and Meredith talks about that all the time, that she is more susceptible to, to the extremes, which is why she fucking has rhabdo. Exactly. Right. <laughs> because we're all a little psycho and we all, you know, have those moments where we feel like if we could just suffer just a little bit more. I mean, I was hurting my I hurt my knee and it's been. It was last Wednesday. It was the it was the day before Thanksgiving, right? Mm -hmm. So it was uh, nine days ago, and my knee is still kind of wonky. But I'm gonna tell you, it took everything that I had to pull out of that workout um, mentally because I was like, you know what? I think I can finish it off, and it was that mentality that hurt my knee more. But I guarantee you, Meredith would have blown blown out her ACL. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? She's <laughs> just that kind of gangster, you know? Um, and, um, you know, I don't know how – I mean, I like I like to think that I'm, I'm pretty gangster. I will say this, though. Um, so at CrossFit – well, you were there – Weren't you there at the original summer camp where Angie, yeah. okay, they did yeah. the boot camp and yeah. <laughs> and I like, you know, kind of complained the whole time yeah. and and just like, hey guys, we could be at the snack bar right now. I don't know why we're doing this, yeah. right? What people didn't realize is that I do that in every CrossFit walk, right? <laughs> like every workout that I've ever done when I was powerlifting, I was like, man. You know, I mean, there's people just going for a hike right now. We could have gone for a hike. And instead, <laughs> instead we're sitting here. It's the third hour, and we're working on grip work, and hands are all bloody. You know, it's like, we, we could be hiking, man. You know, what about paddle boarding? What about paddle boarding? You know? <laughs> yes. I was like, I could be the most in-shape person at Curves ever. You know? Like, <laughs> Once again, Susie doesn't realize how podcasts work, so she's <laughs> visually doing a thing where she's paddleboarding. You know? yeah. And and people people are gonna be listening to this thing. Go, I paddleboard. You know, I in in my ideal life, I'm a paddleboarder, <laughs> right? Like yeah. like when I retire and get a cabin and like you know, just isolate from the rest of the world, it will involve a lake and it will involve a paddleboard. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> like, I, I, as you guys can probably tell from all the podcasts, you know, if you don't think that I go through the produce aisle with this level of intensity, you <laughs> are wrong, right? Like, why is this cucumber not bigger? <laughs> you know, what about this kale? Is it the purple kale or is it the green kale? You know, like, like I wish I could just calm the fuck down every now and again. Um, all right. So I feel like we did that. Um, I just really want to let people know that at the end of these extreme things where people are kind of abusing you with these, you know, really super long fasts and, and, and detoxes and flushes and stuff like that. I mean, detoxes and flushes now seem reasonable. That used to be the crazy shit, right? And now that is just normal compared to not eating for seven days, right? And I just want to tell you guys that there is a safe home for you. And we can provide that. And we can give you guidance, you know. But I get, you know, I get the appeal. You know, we both get the appeal of, hey, I just won't eat for seven days so I can have one meal at McDonald's. I just want you to consider the fact that in those seven days that you didn't sleep, maybe McDonald's wasn't worth it, right? Like maybe having the ability to eat more flexibly on one day to maintain your weight, maybe there's another way, right? Like it's just, you know, as I'm, you know, over 10 years of being fit and kind of, you know, moving from my previous lifestyle to this lifestyle, the thing that I like most is kind of the serenity of it all, right? That nothing one way or the other is, you know, takes away too much or adds too much. You know, if I miss a workout, it's not devastating, right? Um, but I do think that I, this is the last thing, and we'll end on this note, and then Susie can say goodbye to everybody. But why are you susceptible to that message? Why do you need to be punished? Ask yourself that. Why do you need to be in an abusive relationship with food, right? And if that's the case, how, what's the end game? Because the end game is a lot uglier than you might think, right? I mean, there's people are more susceptible to eating disorders right now than ever in history, right? Because they're spreading all over the internet like wildfire, right? So I'll end on that note. Um, Susie, give your thoughts on that and then just let everybody go. <laughs> okay. I mean, one thing I like to tell people is that whatever it is, whoever it is you want to be, and if that's, you know, somebody who's smaller or stronger or um, a faster runner or better swimmer, whatever it is, decide, you know, who that who it is you want to be. 
and then focus on the process that will get you there. Um, and don't focus so much on the abusive part, but if you have to like what you are doing. So if you don't like it, the outcome, you know, it's, you might be temporary. You might be able to do it for two weeks. You might be able to do it for a couple of months, um, but you're not gonna be able to do it forever. So if you focus on, on the, the thing that you enjoy, and if that's lifting, if you focus on the lifting, you focus on, you know, eating the right things, you focus on, um, you know, getting enough sleep, um, getting some steps in, like the weight is gonna take care of itself. <laughs> like you will, we did, Paul and I used to say this all the time, if you are tracking your macros and you're eating the right things, nobody gains weight doing that, right? So you focus on the, the process, that will eventually get you there, and then the outcome just it just comes, right? So um, think about what it is that you're doing, and like Paul said, think about it. If you feel like it's gotta be extreme or hard, think about why that is, um, because it doesn't have to be. Um, and you that should, oh, and you should be able to enjoy your life, you should be able to enjoy what you're doing and you should be able to enjoy getting healthy. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, the weight, the weight will take care of itself. Yeah. I mean, love yourself and yep. love what you're doing and almost everything works out. I mean, you just described that perfectly. All right, everybody have a great weekend. It was great having you on Susie. Um, I'm sure Meredith is going to be back here real soon. Yeah. And uh, building blocks next week, we're doing yep. on recent, right? Oh, yep. Join All right. Us. Great chatting with everybody. And uh, I'm sorry I can't communicate without cursing, but that just seems to be the way. So um, have a great weekend, everybody, and talk to you later. Okay. Bye.